episode 37 of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Tommy. Hey, what's up? Cy. Hey, guys. And Joe. Hello. Well, kind of a large cast today, but I think this is an exciting week to talk about. I mean, what a what a day out it was on Sunday uh, for those of us who went out to the Atlantic. Amazing crowds, huge, 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 huge crowds. Um, and we got to watch a, a st- another stellar performance, uh, kind of trouncing the bottom of the table team. And Arsenal bottled it. <coughs> they didn't bottle it. Yesterday, but they uh, they bottled it before that, and uh, and uh, there wasn't anything they could do to get ahead of us. Uh, so what an amazing day in general! How are you guys feeling about it? Let's uh, start with uh, Lucas. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you can, you can even tell by my voice. Basically, right now, I can't. I, my voice has been gone for the last all day because of. Yesterday we were just screaming and singing all day at the pub, and that game was that game was an absolute beatdown from start to finish because of the way we showed up. And I think that's one of the reasons everyone kind of was nervous because you have the experiences in the past of Spurs bottling it on the last day. But um, I think the players did a really good job squashing that from the very beginning because it was always going to be a matter of if we showed up with the intensity and the drive to actually try and go score and create, they were never going to be able to hang with us. There's a reason Norwich has conceded the most goals in the Premier League and we have the attacking power that we do up front. Um, It was all just going to be about whether or not we turned up. And I think from the first 10 minutes, you could see us the way we were bombing forward. We looked like we were really, really hungry to try and get on the scoreboard. And once we got that first one, it just all opened up and became an absolute onslaught at that point. Yeah. And yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, Tommy? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm elated. Uh, like Lucas was saying before, like we were talking before the match and a few days leading up that like, yeah, we're going to murder them. And here in the podcast, everybody was very optimistic as well. Um, back in my head, I was very, I was optimistic. We'd at least get a win. Thing in the back of my head was not the Spursy thing, but just like mentally. I know Conte has changed things with the squad mentally. I think the team knows that like no job is done until it's confirmed. So that keeps me excited. Um, and I was telling Lucas before we started the episode, I'm like, this is the first time in forever that I'm actually excited for the upcoming season. Um, we'll talk more about that, of course, later. But, um, you know, everybody played well. Um, and I'm not trying to give Norwich grief, but, like, because they're the bottom of the table. But, you know, things were kind of, like, uh, we're all thinking, like, when is son going to get his goal to get the golden boot? And he got two. Uh, floodgates opened early, contrary to what we usually have done uh, this season. But, uh I don't know. I'm just, it still hasn't fully hit me. And I, I'm just like in, I'm mildly like the fact that we were able to recover from a four point deficit from Arsenal and get stay uh, or get two points ahead of them. Like this usually never happens. And 
So whether it be Conte or the team, you know, credit to everybody, to the parties involved, because this was just, it was, it's been a whirlwind, whirlwind for this month, like just all of this happening. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss of words. How how much of it was us and how much of it was uh, Arsenal bottling it, though? Um, oh, oh, sorry, I'll be quick with that. I, I mean, a lot of it was us because we kept pedal to the metal. Like, I mean, realistically speaking, I thought it was over when we lost to Brighton and, and tied Brentford. Somehow we recovered, beat Arsenal. Arsenal lost that Monday night. And, like, I, I firmly believe we crushed their spirit, you know, winning 3-0. And... But also, thankfully for Newcastle, like I was telling a bunch of people, or like when I was in London talking to Sam and my friend James, I'm like, Newcastle really has, I'm not saying they don't have business being that involved, but I mean, credit to Newcastle, they were still on it until the end, where, because like yesterday uh, against Burnley and then Arsenal, like they were fighting hard still, and they were looking good doing it too. So even though, their safety or them being safe from allegation was already sealed. So I'll take, I'll take it any way we can. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Joe. Yeah. That Newcastle result is costing me a dinner to a steakhouse with a girl who's a Newcastle fan. It's going to cost me a fortune, but I think it was well worth it. Um, yeah, it was, it was nervy, man. Um, like, Drawing to, I think the what made me feel confident about everything was uh, drawing to Liverpool. I mean, everybody wanted to win, but just didn't see that happening. And you know, we didn't really lose that game. The it was one one, but the goal that they scored was a deflection that was probably going to go wide anyways. Um, yeah, I I was very optimistic about us finishing ahead of it. I put, posted some things on Facebook that pissed off a couple people, kind of, you know, uh, putting up the uh, uh, St. Tottenham's Day canceled a week early, and uh, some people had some things to say about it, but I was confident. I couldn't see us going in and losing to to Norwich, um, and, you know, we uh, didn't just beat them. We had kind of annihilated them. I was just going to say that um, I, I think the point with the Newcastle game, that's for me when my, when I kind of knew it was in, it was just, it was done and dusted. I, I wasn't nervous at all going into that last game. I uh, I completely knew we were going to absolutely turn them over. And I knew it the second that I saw Arsenal come out and play like they did against Newcastle. And they just looked so mentally broken and physically exhausted. I, as soon as we got that result, I was like, our guys who turned up the way we did against Burnley just that was that sent that said all the info I need basically that sent the message that we were going to be so up for this Norwich game and now that it was in our hands I knew we were going to absolutely turn Newcastle over and put them to the sword because it was just it was just meant to be in that sense with that like our mentality was always going to be what the only question is and as no as soon as I knew that our mentality was in the right place I was like there's no way Norwich can physically hang with us. It's just going to be a matter of how many goals do we score and how many guys get specific awards. Yeah, and we we scored uh, pretty quickly. It only took 16 minutes to get the the first day on goal, um, and and once that happened, it, it just felt like 
it's over already. Uh, um, we, we knew that we were going to score at least one more, and and once there was two, then it was completely completely over. There was no way that Norwich was going to score three. Um, you know, even if they scored two, we still go through. So it was just kind of a fun day out at that time, especially at the pub. Uh, Sai? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the spirits of everybody were, like, super high. I've never walked in that pub, the Atlantic, and everybody was, like, for a match of the magnitude it was, everybody was really rocking and ready to go. I mean, the drinks were flowing. Everybody's just partying and having a great time. Like I've walked in that bar a million times where everybody's just given that look like, God damn it. We're going to do it again. We're going to bottle it. And no one had that attitude. Like Peter walks in. He's like, this is the best week of my life. I'm, I'm having a great time. Like everybody's just like ready to go. And I think that after the first goal, we just started, it just started off. Like just the, the drink started flowing. The second goal's in even more so. And it just became, just one of the one of the better parties at the at the Atlantic. Just knowing that we were about to like finally clinch again, and get get back in the Champions League under Conte. I think there's a lot to be said about the the structure of Conte making an extra two and a half million pounds on a win uh, on on Saturday, and then the team was splitting another four million if they got in the Champions League. So yeah, they wanted it. Don't get me wrong, but four million pounds is no no chump change. So they were they were playing for the for the club for the for the fans, but for their pocketbooks as well. So it, it was, it was just Norwich had no chance. In my opinion, they just had no chance. We went out, we went out with like gangbusters and we held them down the whole time. So that was my take on the day out. And, and the performances were just outstanding. I mean, uh, <coughs> Norwich didn't look like they had a midfield. Uh, um, <coughs> our midfield just steamrolled them. Like, I, I mean, I, I think Hoy Bier was the, the the first man to get a ball in the box uh, like and there's about two or three times that the, that he had he had a, a chance at goal like i mean for, for him as a midfielder to to be getting that far for, forward so easily it was like the opposing midfield was gone and um and we we we, we were just going to steamroll these guys from the very beginning um, he pulled Doko right in the box <laughs> Oh, so he pulled a Sissoko over the crossbar. Oh. Yeah. Look, <laughs> um, uh, Tommy, or Lucas, Lucas. Sorry. Yeah, Lucas, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to kind of say what Sai said. When um, I think the thing that was so important was if you if you could have picked going into the last game who we would want to play, like if this scenario presented itself, I think everyone would have probably landed on Norwich. They just they present the way they lined up and the way they were going to play us was always going to be to our advantage. Whereas somebody like Burnley has that discipline that they showed last week where they're really tough to break down and they're really organized structurally like Norwich on the last game of the season, they're already relegated and that they're like in front of their home fans, they were going to come out and try and give it a go, which was always going to benefit us because anytime a team wants to play us in an open game, it usually ends with us scoring four or five goals. So that was as soon as like I saw the way Norwich was set up in the beginning and the, the way we were able to get behind their high line that they tried to play was just moronic. I, I mean, we got in a couple times in the first 10 minutes, just uh, like the one that Kulicheski had that he played over and uh, Hoybear was getting behind. Benton Kerr got behind. So it was, 
it was really beneficial to us that they came out and wanted to play the way they did because it allowed our guys to get in behind and create so many opportunities from just from the very beginning. It might not be moronic if they're trying to prepare for the championship. Um, like this is like they're already on, a, on not even on a beach. They're they're getting ready to go down to the the <laughs> down in the hole, I guess. Um, but they're next year they're going to have to play a bit more of attacking brand and to, to get back out of the championship if they want to be the yo-yo team that they are and and come up and down. So. I, I think it makes sense for them to play us because they got nothing to lose, um, and, and it's good practice. Um, let's talk a bit about these goals. Um, uh, so let's talk about the Kulishevsky first goal, um, and we'll start with somebody that can uh, can give recalls of plays better than me. So Tommy, go ahead. Uh oh, so is the. The first day on goal. No, it was a tap-in, right? Yeah. I, okay, so I think it was uh, Bedencore who had the assist with that amazing pass. And, I don't, well, you know me, self-proclaimed uh, Dayon Kulichowski's biggest fan. So, I don't, I don't know, it's just like the way everything happened, it was very, if I remember correctly, it was a counterattack, Bedencore long ball, Dayon had it, and scored. So, I'm like... It was, you know, it yeah, was Tommy. Different. It was the one where it was, yeah. Uh, Bentancur got played in behind, and then he was one on one with the keeper, and it looked like he should have just tried to score. Instead, he like laid it over to Kulichewski, who had like a weird. It was oh, like a little bit behind him. Yes. It was like a it weird, a yeah. Goal. It was like one of those uh, quote unquote FIFA sweaty goals. As they yeah, and yeah. Dion had to like try and throw his feet around to like get it. Get his body behind it. It was really goofy looking, but really unselfish play by Bentinger. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I cannot believe it. Because I remember at the bar, uh, actually, we were all around together within like a five foot proxi- five ten foot proximity. And because I'm like Ben Court, I literally like that long ping to him, and thankfully it had like I'm actually surprised that he was so far up on the field and they were in sync like that. It just I don't, know, I, I don't know what else to say about it. like because it, it happened for me. It felt like it happened so quickly, and everybody complains like, you know, counterattack. It's kind of ugly, but I'm like, it's working for us. We got the speed, and things are coming together. So I'm like, let's use whatever we the talent we have to uh, the team's advantage, and think we did. Sai, you had your hand up. Yeah, I was just. I mean, we definitely were counterattacking. We're a counterattacking team, but I, we were in a total attack the whole day, in my eyes. Oh, yeah. And the mid, like, like, like uh, Anthony was saying, the midfield was just so wide open. I've never seen Bentancur and and Hoy Bear have, you know, 15 yards of space, basically the whole the whole match. And then when when Bentancur made that run all the way up to the box, get the get the play into the box, and that touch off to to Dijon was 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 completely unselfish great great call by lucas i mean really once that first goal went in the the floodgates became open but it was really fun watching us which we don't get a lot because we are a counterattacking team just watching us flying down the pitch at all at all times not even really counterattacking go ahead lucas well i was gonna completely agree it was really fun to watch us play that way um but i think my favorite of all like you can talk about we'll talk about these goals here but i think my favorite was the second one because it was just a gift from Tim Kroll. 
And we've had Tim Kroll, we've played him so many times where he's been our Achilles heel and he has, he shows up and has a worldy game every time he plays us. And it was just, it was so good to see him just have an absolute brain part and give us one and that second goal where he just flicked it over and uh, Bentoncourt intercepted it and just got two assists in the first 30 minutes for Bentoncourt and found Kane in the middle of the net. That was so great. It was it just felt like justice getting one over on Tim Kroll there. Yeah, no, that that was good. When we saw that he was there, I know a lot of us were, oh, shit, this could be bad. Um, <laughs> as bad as Norwich are, like, this could be bad. Uh, Tommy? Well, I don't want to go ahead too far, but, like, I mean, Sun had two goals, but, like, he could have easily had four if it wasn't for Tim Kroll, I think. Like, I mean... Yeah, Norwich, they're terrible. But Tim Krul, like, if he wasn't in goal, it could have been 9-0 easily. <laughs> so, I mean, hate all you want on Norwich. And while it is justified, but Tim Krul was the bright spot. And while the scoreline doesn't tell you everything, he was the one that actually kind of kept it together and kept it only 5-0. So, you know, credit where credit's due. But even so. Side, did you have your hand up again? Just a quick, just a quick add sure. to that, Tommy. It, it, it was crazy that um, we were pressing so hard that Norwich got themselves three yellow cards within the first like fifteen twenty minutes of something like that, and and, and we were just bringing it to them, it was, and they were nothing they could do about it. So Bendicore and those guys could just run, run, run free, and they actually were subbing guys off because they had yellow cards, and probably more just to give people more playing time. But um, yeah, that was that was my take on that. Yeah, like it really changed the game, and I, I was going to add that yeah they had to make a sub uh, in the first half because of the the, the fear with the yellow card uh, they didn't want to send off, and uh, imagine what we would have done to them if we if they had a man sent off. Jeez. Um, well, uh, so we talked about the the first day on goal, the the Harry goal. So we go into halftime, and we're up two uh, nil. Uh, and it's a celebration outside at the pub. Um, we're, we're having a blast at that point. Um, and we come back, and it doesn't take long uh, um, for Dan to get another goal. But before he did, uh, he tried to get Son a goal. <laughs> like, like I, I thought that was one of my favorite moments of the match. Like, Dan's, like, wide open in front of that, and he he slot, tries to slot the ball over to Son. Uh, uh, regardless, like when when he could have put it in on his uh, left foot, easy. Uh, no, there was a goal. There was one before that too. Uh, Dan crossed it in, and Son was right in front of Kroll, and Sonny just like shinned it right into Kroll's hands. So there's oh, two. Yeah. There's two of those where yeah, Kroll probably could have made it in, but yeah, that first one I think it was like the 58th minute or something like that, where I mean, beautiful cross and just. Kroll just happened to be right where he didn't need to be, and Sonny just shinned it right into his right hand. But then, yeah, that second one, uh, the one you're talking about, is just another one. But it shows that he's not greedy. I mean, there's two of them probably could have taken it on by himself, and he probably could have scored. And, you know, he could have had four goals, to be honest. You know, Son and Kula could have had four. As far as well, I- and, and credit to the, the man, like, that, like, 
he's trying to help Sonny out. No, we we've got we've got what we needed to do. We're going to get the win, uh, and let's try and get Sonny his golden boot. And I really appreciate that. That once once things were secure, like if they were doing it at the start of the game, I'd be a little pissed off. But um, but once the the match was secure, that's the right way to go. Uh, Lucas, I think you had your hand up. Yeah, I and I agree, and I think that that's one of the. It speaks a lot about like the character of the guys and um, the fact that it's pretty obvious that they all care about each other and they want to work hard. And I mean, they, it was really obvious that they wanted to get Sonny his boot. And I mean, when you watch that play back where Kulachewski does brilliantly to beat Kroll and he gets around him and it's literally an empty net. <laughs> there's, there's no way anyone doesn't just bury that, but he tries to force it over to Sun and it's, it, it spoke a lot about, just the fact that they were really trying to help Sun out and it was really cool to see. And it was even cooler that it eventually happened and it it finally, it finally paid off, but you could see a lot of guys were trying to force an extra ball to Sun and do other stuff like that to help him out. Um, and it was just that, that goal, it was really funny and it just kind of showed what our guys' mentality was. They knew it was over at that point when Kulicheski did that, that basically said, this is just, we're just having a laugh now. This is for fun. Joe? Hey, if Sun didn't get that second goal, do you blame Kane for taking that pen last week? For him not no. getting No, no. I mean, because I think yesterday, too, would have been, I think if, because there was a lot of questions that were like hypotheticals that people were discussing before the match, and it was like, hey, if it's 0-0 in the, in like the 90th minute and we get a pen, does Kane take it or does he let Sun take it? And everyone was pretty much, everyone would tell you that Kane takes it until it's like a 2-0, unless it was the second half. If I guarantee if if we got a pen, the Sun would have taken it in the second half we were up to. But anything within like a one-goal game or something, I think Kane would have just stepped up and been like, I'm doing this. His son blows he, the penalties. I thought he was, uh, isn't he South Korea's penalty taker? Is he not? He, he if, probably is. Or if he is, he's, it's he's, by he's missed some penalties for us, and uh, when he's had to t- step up and take them in uh, um, different competitions, uh, he, he's not a, a world class penalty taker. But the, you definitely let him take them. Like if you're late in the game, you're already up two goals. And because uh, even play. in the fall, in the fall when we had uh, in the second game of the season when we played, and Kane wasn't in yet, and we won away at uh, Wolves. And uh, Delhi got us a penalty, and Delhi was the one that actually took it. So Sun didn't even take a penalty when Kane was out. He's too nice. He's probably smiling at the keeper and looking where he's going to shoot. Just <laughs> if I remember correctly, I think he does that like goofy run up. Yeah, it does the stutter step there. And like for me, that's it's a Pogba. Yeah, or like Bruno Fernandez, the way he does it, and I'm like, the way Harry like Harry Kane does it, it's literally like three, two, three steps. And just blast it, go the opposite way where the goalkeeper goes. I'm like, I thought he was missing that Burnley. I'm sorry, wrong game, but that that Burnley one, man, I thought he was missing that. I thought that was going wide. He, he Kane doesn't miss very many, but yeah, like uh, uh, I, I'm usually confident when he's got it. I I'll hold my breath a little, but uh, but yeah, the, I think the real remarkable thing is Sun ties with Mo Salah for the, the golden boot, but he did not have a single penalty. Uh, no, he, I thought he has it on his own. No, no, it's shared. Uh, oh, he shares it with uh, oh. Mo, Mo Salah scored one late. Oh. Uh, 
he got subbed on late and scored Name. a goal. So, uh, so yeah, he 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 uh, equalized it. But so it's shared. But Mosella, I think, had like nine penalties. And what's really remarkable is that that Sun wasn't even in the the picture for uh, Player of the Year. Um, I can understand. I I went to De Bruyne. Uh, uh, I can understand that. But for Sun not to be even uh, like amongst the candidates was just asinine to me. Um, you know, it, I just don't know what they were thinking. I mean, they're just uh, too busy fellating uh, Liverpool and, and City, I think, is what it comes down to. But um, but he, he, he ultimately got his golden boot, the 70th and the 75th <coughs> uh, um, goals. Like, uh, they were feeding the ball to him. He had a couple opportunities that were close prior to that. Um but he ultimately got it, and and it looked like he got he got a, a little lame at the end there too. Like I I don't know if it was like from that injury where he was on the ground for a little bit, or if he was just completely tuckered out. But um, but he wasn't moving very well towards the end. Uh, Lucas. Yeah, I think those um, the the two goals that Sonny was able to get once we were up three 0 Like that first one, I thought was fantastic play from Kane to find Mora. And more just to add again, unselfishly, just had that quick little one touch. Didn't even didn't even have to look to know where Sun was and flicked him on to get him wide open one on one with Tim Kroll, and he slotted it. And then the second one from Sun was even better, where he just had that beautiful curler from outside the box. That was when Sun's confident like that, and he gets the ball in those areas. It's uh, we've seen him do it countless times. We've seen him do it at Man City. We've seen him do it against Arsenal, uh, the two nil game when he just had that bender from outside the box. He's really, when he's in his zone and he's confident and you could see him setting up for that shot, you know there's a really high probability that it's going to find that top corner. And it was it was so cool to watch him do that when it mattered most for his golden boot race, to see him just capitalize on a beautiful shot like that. Sorry? That, uh, that touch for Mora was, I mean, highly underrated. That was a beautiful touch. It actually kind of reminded me of that Delhi touch to Mora himself at Ajax where he got that yeah. goal. Like it was just like a quick little flick. And next thing you know, uh, he's in for the goal. That was really special. The son, the second son goal. I mean, that's just what he, like Kane and son. And now Kulu's doing it too. Like having Kulu on the right side there with a beautiful left foot and able to be able to curl the ball like that is, I mean, we all been kind of begging for like, somebody be able to score like that. Like, Hey, bring Bale back, which we did. who never played under Jose, but like he has that touch. He has that curl. Mora really, really doesn't have that. We just haven't had that on the right side for a while. Mora is just a workhorse. Um, it's just nice to have a goal scorer and, and somebody who's got enough like control with the football. I mean, that there was a one play where Dijon like juked like two guys. Is that the, maybe early where he gets the ball, the Hoy bear. I think it was the play where like, right early in the game where he jukes the guy on the right and then makes another in the box and then flicks it over to Hoy Bear who launches it like over the goalpost for three points. But um, it's just really, really nice to see like that, that side where we have a goal scorer, not only Kane and Son, but it's nice to have somebody putting goals in from over there. So I want to go to a question. Uh, so uh, Big Bird, who asked us a lot of questions, um, he, he uh, asked us a question about Kane's positioning. Uh, so, Tommy, do you have that queued up? Yes, I do. Uh, so his question is, Keane often picks up the ball in midfield, 
and distributes beautifully to Sun and Deki to lethal effect. Fair enough. Um, we are at our best in that setup, but shouldn't our midfielders be doing that instead and allow Kane to play further up? Do our midfielders have the talent for this? Lucas? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in here. Real, um, because, yeah, it's something we've all thought, and it's the answer is no. Our midfielders do not have the talent. That's why Kane has to do it. Um, it's Kane is one of the best distributors in the world, which is shocking. Just He just can literally do everything. He's that special of a player. He's just as good at like doing that distributing from the midfield as De Bruyne is, except he can also go and score 25 goals a season. So it's, um, but no, Conte's even made it, Conte's made it clear that he wants Kane to be up in a strike, more of a striker role. And that's why we need to go out and get midfielders that can do that job and to do that distributing work so that Harry can be free to be, because that's where you're going to get your best use out of Harry Kane is right now. He's been brilliant with being able to create goals from the midfield distributing, but he's the best striker on, on the planet. And he's the best at finding being in the right spot and finishing and all the stuff you want him in the box, making just making havoc for other teams. And you need to find a guy that can get that distributing role in the midfield that allows Kane to be up front because you're going to get more goals with Harry Kane standing around the six-yard box as opposed to him standing at midfield. Sorry? I mean, Lucas, you're dead right. The thing is, is about with Kane, I don't know if he's the best striker in the world. I think he's one of the best footballers in the world. I think his like you you made a point like his distribution the distributing the football is 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 bar none some of the best I've I've seen of any of these leagues. So to have him sitting back and and working the offense and, and pushing Son and and Decky forward is really amazing. If he actually get another striker and play two strikers up and Kane goes back um, and is still distributing and scoring goals, it's. <coughs> I mean, it's mm. deadly. It's it's really deadly. Uh, I, I just I just think Kane is in his best when he's like pushing forward and then making a pass and then finding his way to the box for that outlet pass or that pass underneath to, to score goals. Because we all know that once Kane gets the ball on his feet one on one, the ball's in the back of the net. I always thought he would uh, probably finish his career as more of an attacking midfielder, like the the way he's been playing over the last couple of years. The way he changed his game, he, um, you know, he was certainly doing something different under Pochettino. But like since Mourinho, he started to pick up more distribution and and more of like that like classic attacking midfielder role. Um, a lot of it because he had to, as you guys said. But um, but I could see him finishing his career in more of that type of role, possibly with like another stellar young striker. Uh, playing alongside. Well, I guess him. I I guess I have a question for all you guys as well. Like, do you want Kane to be your marksman in the middle? Like, do you want him sitting up front and just getting balls fed to his head? Is that the way you want to? Is that the way you think Kane would be best suited for us? Uh, well, I'll chime in on that. I, it depends. Like, are we going to get another striker, or is Dane Scarlett going to turn out to be the striker that people believe he can be? If he shines bright really quickly, I mean if he gets on loan next year and then does really well and, you know, depending on who le who leaves or Conte or whoever changes the formation. Yeah. I, I mean, Kane, what he's like, what, six, three. I mean, he, 
like how you guys are saying, like he's there's so many facets to him. Like how Anthony was saying, like he can turn into a Wayne Rooney before or at now he's a striker, but he could move to an attacking midfielder at the later stages of his career. Or you know he's great in the air, so he can easily be a target man, like kind of like how Peter Crouch was for us back in the day. Um, or he can be like your usual all-out striker. There's for me, there. <clears throat> excuse me. There are there are no right or wrong answers to this. It, it it's dependent on who the team buys. And so because of that, Kane, Harry Kane can complement that other person. And if that person's up to snuff, it would work out or it can work out easily and be beneficial. Lucas. Yeah. The, well, the other thing is you got to remember how Conti wants to play. So the way Conti wants to play is with Kane in the box up front getting balls fed to him in because when you have the when you have the wingback system like where Conti the way he wants his wingbacks playing is his wingbacks bombing forward creating opportunities and putting balls in from the outside and when those wingbacks do that and they put a ball in from the outside like that you need Harry Kane to be at the other end of that you can't have Harry Kane lagging behind up in the midfield somewhere you need him to be in the box being the target of some of those crosses or being at the back post uh so it's like that's kind of the way Conti wants to play. And in his ideal system, Harry Kane's going to be spending all his time in the box as opposed to up in the midfield creating. you got to have somebody else be able to do that and let Harry be up there to just poach and do what he does in the box. It's it's weird because he's got so many tools. It's like sometimes it feels like that's a waste of his some of his resources. But I, I agree that that's probably what Conte wants to do. And we're, and what I'm talking about might be more like a couple of years down the road. Like I I'm not foolish enough to believe that Conte is going to be with us forever. Um, but I could see like if Harry Kane remains that he he might retire with us and and, and be playing that way more. But but uh, but that's for a, a, a later conversation. I think probably when all said and done. Um, I think this might be a good place to go to uh, MVP LVP for this uh, Norwich match. Um, Cause we still got to do a season wrap conversation and have a lot of other good conversations. So let's uh, let's start with Joe first and uh, uh, who's your MVP for this Norwich match. It had to be cool. Um, like I said, I think he probably could have scored four. Uh, he set up, some amazing goals, and for once, I don't want to punch Tommy after seeing him handle the ball. Uh, I was <laughs> really impressed with him. I was impressed with both of the UA guys, actually. You know, they were they both probably give it to both of them. Actually, changed my mind. Um, they were both involved in pretty much everything that led to the success of the game. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Both both of our UVA guys did very good. Uh, Tommy, what do you, what do you have? Uh, Joe actually stole a little bit of my thunder. Um, as biased as I am, um, I mean, Dion did play great, but I am giving it the whole thing to Bedencore. I, you know, he had the two assists, but even his other all around game, he was friggin' everywhere, distributed well. Um, he was playing this, you know. Had some good tackles, defended well. Um, so, like, I mean, you know, Son, Dayon, those are very easy choices. But I still believe Ben Kerr had the more all-around game until he 
subdoc, if I remember correctly. So I'm going to hand it to him. Good shout, good shout. Uh, Sai, what do you have? Or who do you have? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on the Benicourt train. I mean, I think that was his. I, I have never seen him in that much space, and he took advantage of it. And so, I, I, I really think that these signs in January are some of the most important signs we've had in a while. We've spent, we've have spent money, but Benicourt and Kulo have been really excellent for this squad, and really, honestly, propelled us, gave us the opportunity to to, to run Conte's offense, and and Benicourt was unimaginable yesterday. I thought he was, or two days ago, he was really, really great. So I'm, I'm giving it to him. Well, and to your point, like, remember when they came in and people were saying, oh, these are like Juve rejects. Um, they're not the right positions for what we need most. These are the wrong moves. And, and look what it did. Like, it, I have no doubt if we didn't get these two guys, we would not have gotten top four this year. Uh, I mean, they propelled us to exactly where we needed to be. So, Genius move when all was said and done, whether that's Prodigy Conte, if we want to give Levy a little bit of credit, like uh, uh, um, I think we have to because, yeah, what what great signings. Lucas, who do you have for MVP? Yeah, real quick, just like you said, I think um, that was actually absolutely we need to give Daniel Levy credit. Um, if we can yell at him when things are going wrong, we have to be able to give him the nod when he does some right things. And that was. Like you had just said, if if we don't sign those two guys, we don't get top four. Ask any Spurs fan to be honest with themselves and answer that question. They're going to tell you there's no chance we finish top four without those two. So I think that would like that would mean that we probably had the most influential signings in the entire January window out of any team in the Premier League. So big shout to those two guys. I thought they were fantastic yesterday. Um, I'll give mine to uh, Kane yesterday. I thought Harry was great. Um, did so much good work. Um, obviously I could give it to Son or Benfica. There's so many guys that played fantastic, but I think Harry was um, just on a different level like he always is. And it's, it's fun to watch, but I will just give a quick shout out to uh, big Dave, our guy Sanchez there. Um, I remember how nervous we all were when Romero got hurt for that right before Arsenal. And we knew we were going to have Sanchez for the rest of the way in and he's come in and we've gotten three clean sheets. So Big shout to Dave and the boys back there. They put in a hell that was putting a hell of a shift yesterday, of course. And I just think that he and Benny and Dyer, like those guys deserve a shout out as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's got to be Benton core, but yeah, like, like Kane son, they all deserve recognition for this one. And I, and I want to give that a little honorable mention to Ben Davis, who, who, it's just been the workman of our team this whole season. Um, I, I, I think he, I, I couldn't call him the most improved player of the team, but he, he really has become a heart and soul. Like he just rolls with whatever he's asked to do. And I just, I really appreciate who he is as a player. Like he, like he's given a job and he finds a way to do the job. Um, and and now he's finally in the position that he's best at, and he can really perform pretty well at it. Uh, Sai, you wanted to jump in there. Just yeah, I'm just gonna jump on what you're exactly you're saying. I love Ben Davis. He's one of my favorite Spurs because he's literally been given like three different roles over the course of the last six years, and he, every time he comes in, he starts for us consistently and is a, co- a consistent player for uh, for this squad. He gets very little credit. I think he's had an excellent year, honestly. So I am. 
and and we were talking about this earlier. If we do sign somebody in the uh, in the off season to play along um, a Romero and Dyer, or who knows if Dyer even starts, but maybe uh, if we we sell somebody, maybe it's uh, Ben Davies up the flank on the left side at the left wing back, and we see him in that role, a fourth role for the Spurs. Uh, if we don't sign another wing back, so I don't know. What, what do you think, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, ideally, I would love for him to stay where he is, but um, I think what what he's done is he's given us flexibility. Ben Davis being as great as he is, we all know that there's a lot of things we need to have. Uh, there's a lot of signings and a lot of money we need to spend this offseason, and this window is going to be really, really important, but, like, we have to sign the right guys. What he's given us is a little bit of leeway where we can kind of put – emphasis on other areas now because we don't have to go out and get two new center backs that are Romero caliber because those guys don't grow on trees those are really really special players and they're really really expensive so it's not easy to just go out and get a guy like that so if we now we now have the opportunity to maybe focus on wing backs another midfielder uh second striker maybe a young goalkeeper or something we could focus there because Conti has trust and belief in guys like Ben Davis and Eric Dyer who have provided us with this little bit of like leeway and cushion where they were just delightful. Like if they've been an absolute delight since Conti's been here, those are back guys. Like those two have been fantastic and Conti clearly trusts them. And if Conti trusts them, I trust him. So well, big shout out to those we're, two. We're guys. inevitably going to have people get hurt and, and we're going to need these extra center backs. Uh, um, like Ramiro, as good as he is, he seems like he's going to be a little bit injury prone. So um, even Davis and Sanchez, if we end up keeping him, I'm sure I'm sure he's potentially on the market because um, uh, he's not necessarily the ideal Conte player. But the, the way he's performed the last three games, I could see us keeping him, and he's he's a suitable backup. Um, well, Conte also has faith in Roden as well. You know that from getting him the shout uh, against Arsenal and then putting him in at the end of Burnley. He had a massive clearance at the end of Burnley and stepped in. He, the guy had barely played a minute all season or all like this half of since Christmas, basically. And he comes in and just did his job, did exactly what was asked of him. And so it's clear Conte trusts these guys. So maybe we don't need to go out and buy three new Cadillac Rolls-Royce center backs like we think we do. They've provided us with a little bit of breathing room saying we could spend other places first. Yeah, I think we probably could use one and make it more of a rotation, um, like maybe one with some um, tools to be able to play in either of the three, any of the three positions. That that would probably be an awesome uh, player to bring in. But um, but yeah, it gives us some flexibility with how good these guys have performed, and we can we can focus on those wing backs and uh, uh, midfielders, like especially attacking midfielder. Um, striker like the the other areas that we need so yeah great great shout um i don't think we're gonna have an lvp uh anybody get, got anybody that they want to shout down for a second <laughs> no everybody's shaking their head so i i don't think this is a lvp performance when you win five nil so the, so there there's nobody out there that deserves a discredit um any final thoughts before we wrap up the half we're not going to have a halftime segment so we're just going to roll into the next conversation but any final thoughts on uh this norwich and and i guess we could talk a little bit about how the league results were so um 
we can mention, um, yeah, so Liverpool, uh, despite their efforts, uh, City came back and were able to take down the league. Um, the other um, big thing was Leeds um, managed to, to rescue themselves um, and, and get out of the relegation with Burnley going down. Um, anything else about on the day? Like Arsenal, despite their efforts, uh, they, they had already bottled it and it didn't matter what they did because uh, we were able to, to, to win our game in fine fashion. Um, Lucas? Oh, uh, here, Joe, 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 you go ahead first. Oh, good. I just want, I I just want to give Michelle a total shout out for what she had to go through uh, yesterday. We should say Michelle's the uh, primary bartender at the bar at the pub. Yeah. Yeah. It was just an absolute shit show yesterday and just improperly run. And she handled as much as she could. Uh, she was completely overwhelmed, and she was kind of set up for failure, but that, that girl just rocked it out. So if she listens to this, Michelle, you did an awesome job, and, you know, we totally respect you for that. Uh, definitely. She did a fantastic job. I, I, we haven't had um, 130 people in the pub in a, a couple of years um, because COVID, uh, we had number restrictions. So this was like the the first time that it, it, the North London Derby ended up being on a weekday. Um, <clears throat> we've done 70, but like this, we, we we had like a full pub front and back room. It was the the first time, so that was kind of a mess. But, uh, but Michelle really stepped up to the plate. Uh, Lucas? Um, yeah, absolutely. Give her a shout out as well. Um, but I was going to say more on just final thoughts from the way that the other games went. I was so happy that Arsenal won the way they did because it made me, it it was, it was exactly what I wanted. I wanted Arsenal to come out and put on a big show and beat the crap out of Everton and get all feeling good, but then have to sit there and watch the scoreboard as it goes one nil Spurs, two nil Spurs, three nil Spurs, four nil Spurs, but just know that they'd be absolutely powerless as they're putting on a great performance on their last day in front of their home fans and then be just be checking that scoreboard watch just scoreboard watching all afternoon watching as Spurs continuously get a bigger and bigger and bigger lead and just demolish Norwich it's exactly how i wanted it to play out so that every time they get a goal and it's like oh we just scored again on Everton they have to look up and just know well it doesn't fucking matter cuz Spurs are fucking doing their job and they're hammering out the canaries and it was exactly how it played out and it made me so happy it was such a wonderful way to spend the afternoon knowing that they were getting all these goals and just looking up and seeing that it meant absolutely nothing because they had bottled it, not us this time. So what a way. And big shout, again, I hate Man City, can go pound sand, I hate Pep, but I'm happy that City got the job done because if Liverpool did the quadruple, I'd probably jump off a cliff. I don't think I could handle that. So big shout to City, they got the job done over Liverpool, so... It was just a marvelous, marvelous afternoon for us. Your point with the uh, city, exact, exactly. Like as much as I'll never give credit to to city, um, with, with Klopp's whininess uh, around, especially playing us, like always an excuse every time it doesn't things don't go his way. I did not want to see Liverpool uh, uh, win this, uh, and, and definitely with all the other competitions that they have a chance at. Uh, yeah, so their fans I- are insufferable. 
<laughs> this is a, a lower level shout. I, I'm really glad Leeds stayed up and Burnley went down. I'm so tired of playing Burnley away. And Leeds kind of sits into a game plan that we can attack at. Um, they, they're attacking offense and it kind of like we play well against them. So bye bye, Burnley. Well, since Sue brought that up, Cy, um, so I always mentioned that I have a Burnley fan. I actually met him up with him in London last weekend. And he was always joking. It's like, oh, God, I hope we beat you on Sunday. And I'm like, and I was messaging him asking him, like, yeah, sorry. You know, condolences and all that other good stuff. But, I mean, <clears throat> sign principle, I agree with you. But, like, the way Burnley plays, like, they're not proactive when they're trying to – when they have to go for the win. Or when they do, it's too late. So, it's hard for me to get a lot of sympathy from him. I do feel bad for my friend, James, but, you know, it's the way it goes. So, <laughs> I mean, hopefully they'll bounce back. I mean, if I go back to London next year, I can at least see them at a discounted rate when they're playing the championship. But, oh, well, I mean, I mean, this is how the Premier League works. It's not like playing in the NFL where you only play certain parts of, of the league. You literally play everybody twice. So, I don't want him to come back up because I don't want to have to play away matches. <laughs> well, I mean, the, Sean Dyche is gone, so depending on the new manager, the style of play might be different. It's not even just the style of play. Playing at that shitty-ass pitch and that <laughs> horrible climate. Like, no. I, I don't want those away days at Turf Moor, yeah. You're uh, for Burnley? Lucas? No, I think Anthony's bang on with that one. Every time, nobody wants to play Burnley on a Tuesday night in the pissing rain and it's 31 degrees. It's like there's howling winds. It's yeah, it's, I I was having a tough one with this because I wanted to see Everton or Leeds get sent down because a, I hate Leeds and their fans are insufferable. B like, I would love to see Everton because I think that would be hilarious. The fact that they spend all the money that they do and still get sent down would have been great. But um, realistically, I was happy with the result because I, as much as I hate Leeds and would love to see them get relegated, just just for the like the crack to see them get relegated would be great. I, from a winning standpoint, I would love to have Leeds in the league much more than I would love to have Burnley because Burnley. How many times do we get six points out of six against Burnley in the Premier League season? It doesn't happen as often as we'd like it to because it's like, or even if it does, it's like a ninety-minute grueling effort to win one nil and. It's like it's really hard as opposed to playing Leeds. It's really easy to carve Leeds open and get four nil wins against Leeds. So I'm more oh. than happy to play Leeds twice as opposed to playing Burnley because it's like I, I I'm just yeah I'm those games are exhausting and they're so hard. To, oh, I I'm happy to see the back of them. Lucas, I definitely don't disagree with that because like you know Marcel Bielsa, like one of his students was Mauricio Pochettino, so it's like you know one way and. The way we play, we can easily break them down. And, like, with Burnley, like, when uh, a bunch of us were there, you know, Nick Pope was taking forever with the goal kicks. Joe Hart did that when you were there for yeah. a match a few years ago. So I'm just like, oh, Christ. And, again, go back to my friend, and I'm like, the fact that, that Burnley beat us earlier this calendar year, I'm like, you beat us. You better stay up. If not, this was all for nothing. I'm going to be really pissed. And, of course, they didn't. But I can have my cake and eat it, too, because even though they beat us, we still got Champions League. So not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, no, definitely. 
Um, well, I think we should probably roll this conversation into more of a season wrap up. So, and, and when we start to step back and look at this big picture, remember how we started this season with uh, Nuno as our coach, like our what twelfth choice coach or, or whatever Ooh. he was. <laughs> Nuno, Nuno. Never heard. Never heard of him. Um, <coughs> we won those first three games, which I actually those points were. Um, Integral to this uh, this uh, final resolution, but just after that, the epic collapse that we had uh, playing in one-run games that we were losing um, and losing late and losing poorly and and having like a effectless attack, um, it it really seemed like this season was go- we were going to stay around the eighth or ninth place range that that we we kind of had been in under Mourinho um but then Conte happened and 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 belief came back slowly uh it took some time it took some work for him to get us up to where we needed to be but change happened um Lucas yeah I think it's this has been such a crazy year, which is why I think yesterday felt as great as it did and why we're still all kind of buzzing off the results. Um, I, I think you even have to go back further and start with like last June when we were doing the manager search and it was an absolute clown show and every we, we fucking bottled it with Conti and then we had a bunch of other candidates and every time it sounded like it was about to happen and then something else and we ended up settling with Nuno no no I don't want to slate Nuno because I just I don't think he was ever the right guy for the job but it's not his fault but I I mean he was destined to fail when you're coming in as the 11th choice guy everyone's kind of already like that managerial search was such a disaster and such a bad look for us that it started the season off at a weird angle and all of a sudden we did get those first three results, which was nice, even though we got, we got nine points from nine, but each one was a one nil win. So we had three goals scored in those three games, but the nine points was helpful at the end. So it was just, it was so crazy with that's how we started it. And then there's the COVID mess and playing in that stupid conference league and games getting snowed out against Burnley and games getting called out. We're, we don't know whether or not we're going to be playing Leicester in that one game. And it's like, three hours till kickoff and we're like, is there a game today? Like it's, it was such a crazy ride and for Conti to come in and get these guys to believe. And then the fans immediately backed him. We've backed him the whole time. We started to believe again. And just the turnaround was so cool to be a part of. And I I just think it's crazy to even think it feels like that Nuno era was 10 years ago. That doesn't even feel like this was the same season. But it was just an absolute adventure of a ride. And for Conti to get these guys to believe and get us over the line was just, like I said, it was just awesome to be a part of this season. No, definitely. Definitely. Uh, any other kind of thoughts on the season picture as a whole, uh, Tommy? Yeah. I'm, it, I mean, I think we all knew, like, with the whole Nuno thing, because, you know, Conti was the first choice. It would Paulo Fonseca who was the one that Jose Marino actually replaced at Roma with Gennaro Gattuso. For those who don't remember, that was the one that Joe Jordan got into the scuffle with uh, back in 2011. 
at the San Siro, so that was a fun time. But then, like, a bunch of allegations came out against him. So that got nipped to the bud really quickly. Uh, it's it's kind of a weird whirlwind right now, just how we got to where we are. Yeah, we had three 1-0 wins. First place, Nuno was manager of the month. I still tempered my expectations personally because, you know, 1-0 wins. Um, and I'm not the person that's the Spurs traditionalist where we must play well and all this other good stuff and look good doing it. But it's like you can tell, like, eventually we're going to cut out. And we did. Um, a lot of back and forth. And then eventually Nuno got fired. I mean, we, we had to put him out of his misery. Um and I'm actually still surprised that we got Conte. Like he said, I mean, not word for word, but the fact that he was, you know, he just left Inter at the time. Not It wasn't the right time to start a new job. And then we still stepped up. And Lucas um, told me this, and he told a bunch of other people, but the fact that we lost to Man United and Schultz, uh, Solskjaer was rumored to leave at the time. Like if we beat them, Nuno probably was still with manager and Man United probably could have easily snapped him up, but that, dude, that's why that that game was called El Sacico. Yeah, they called so it, like, it was like it was it was whoever wins, your manager doesn't get sacked. Whoever loses ends up getting Conte. Yeah. So what a win! Yeah, for us. so Solskjaer actually had a stay of execution. So our loss was actually our gain in the long run. Um, you know, I mean, we got kicked out of the Europa League or Conference League. I mean, I think that's actually better for us because the last game we didn't get. We didn't, it didn't play. We didn't play it, but we lack so much depth. And for anybody that's been following Spurs this season, you know, last since March at the very least, Conte more or less has been playing the same players, minus Doherty when he got injured. So we, we knew things were running lean. And in January, you know, we got Bencore, we shit, we got Dayon, which was beyond my wildest dreams, I never thought he would come here. Um, you know, we got rid of some Deadwood with Deli Ali. I mean, I hope he revives his career and does well again, but we also got rid of Lacelso. Looks like he's probably going to go to VR Real permanently. Um, and Dombwe, he didn't do so well on loan at uh, Lyon, so he's probably coming back. We got But we got to find a way to ship him out. But other than that, you know, I think we're just the fact that I said before, like four point deficit against Arsenal by the day I landed in London. When we leave, we're two points ahead, still maintain that two point lead. This is for me, it felt so improbable with how the way things went. And I'm not even talking about the Spurs stuff either, just random stuff going our way. And like how I said before, um, you know the loss against Brighton and the tie against Brentford. I'm like, I, I'm like, we're fucked. We're we're gonna have to sell for Europa League. See how it goes. Somehow we pulled all this, pulled this out of our ass. This tie Liverpool, beat Arsenal, beat Burnley, then beat Norwich, run the table, uh, minus Liverpool this month, and here we are. We're still reigning Champions League. Uh, don't have a lot to complain about. Uh, Conte. I, I think the only person that really could have done a better job at managing is probably Goran Bombay from the Mighty Ducks because, I mean, he is the Minnesota Miracle Man. But, yeah, it's just, 
like Alex said at the beginning, I'm like, this is the first time I feel really confident heading to the season or into the off season where we got a good core right now. Probably going to buy a bunch of players, hopefully ship out some of them and let's see where this takes us. Uh, let's let Cy jump in really fast and, the, um, and then I have uh, an activity I'm going to have us do. So just to end Tommy's thing, I love your confidence going into the season. That's awesome. Um, but I, what are we striving for? That's, I guess that's my big question. Are we actually going to let Levy spend money? Are we actually going to fill out this team and make them um, what they possibly can be? Or are we just going to fight for fourth place? Are we going to let City and Liverpool just battle it out year after year? And we're just going to battle for third with Chelsea and Arsenal and likes of Man U. Like I, it's time for us to, to, to give Conte a couple extra dollars. Now, to, to talk about Ndombele real quick, I mean, if he's still on the payroll and no one wants to take him, my guess is this is the first deal Levy takes where he actually eats big dollars and ships him off for basically whatever he can get. So I can't remember the exact total we bought him for, 60, whatever it was. I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone for 25 or 30 and he's off the books. We eat it and we move on. So, and that's actually, I'm hoping he does that and then allows us to spend more money. But go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, really quick, Anthony. Sorry, we'll, we'll jump out of this. I just wanted to back up what both of you guys just said. Very important stuff because not only that, he's also in for, I think, one of his weekly wages are up there with Kane's. So, Ndombele just is a, he is a leech on our club right now. We got Yeah, get, rumor is like 200K a week. Yeah, exactly. It's a for a guy that is our worst signing ever. So I think with Tommy, like what you had said is you'd mentioned like getting some, getting rid of the dead wood. And that's exactly what is really important as it's not even just about those windows. Sometimes it's not about just the signings. It's about, do you get rid of some of these cancers in the dressing room and uh, getting rid of Delhi, LaCelso and Dombele was so important. So it's going to be another important thing for us this summer is finding a way to immediately just Ndombele, welcome back. I'll drive you right back to the airport because we got a new assignment for you. Get the fuck out. So we got to have that be that. That has to be a top priority. Is get him out immediately. And I, I wish the best for him. He seems like a really nice guy, but it's like you don't belong here. This is, you're not part of this Conti's future plans. Like let's move on. Cut the ties. Yeah, no, definitely that's got to happen. Um, so we're going to do an activity. I, I intentionally did not prepare you guys for this because I want gut reaction instead of prepared reaction. Um, so I, I, I want everybody to give me three players. Uh, so first one's your player of the year. Second is your most improved player. And third is your unsung hero. Uh, so we're going to start with you first, Joe. Because we, we haven't heard from you recently. So, uh, uh, player of the year. So, sorry. Has to be, right? Yeah, hands down. Um, most improved. Darty. Yeah, I guess the, the, that's a, definitely a good case. Uh, Doherty did, did improve. Unsung hero. Uh, Lucas. I mean, that guy, he's the one person that, you know, when we see him, he's given 150% in my eyes. Um, the guy just loves the game. He loves the team, and uh, he just loves playing for us. 
So I like it. All good answers. Uh, uh, so let's go to Cy next. Uh, so player of the year. Um, player of the year is it's got to be Son. He's just had just a sensational year and got no respect from the league, which is unbelievable. Um, and wins the Golden Boot because he didn't even get on the list. It, it drives me absolutely up the wall. But um, Son for me for sure. Uh, most improved. I'm going to throw that one back to Eric Dyer. I just think he really resurrected himself. I mean, he could even make the England squad if if Southgate gets his head out of his ass and benches Maguire. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really liked what, what Dyer did in the back, especially since Romero is Argentine and he's always damn hurt. But I love the kid. Don't get me wrong. But Dyer was a really – he was a beast back there all year long. Played every game basically. So that's my guy. Yeah, no, good, good one. And then unsung hero. Oh gosh, I mean, that's really hard. Mora is always going to be the unsung hero because he's just the workhorse. But I'm going to give it to Stevie B. I mean, that that Leicester game alone. I mean, shit, that just changed a lot of things. And his attitude. I wish, I wish he could be in our squad more. I mean, I wish he could. Maybe he, next year he will. But I almost think he can. He could be sold on and let him blossom somewhere else. I, I don't want him gone, but I could see a 23-year-old Stevie B moving on. I think he's been one of our – I mean, he, he gets the call, and he's always working his ass off performance, scoring some big goals. So I'm going to I'm gonna go Stevie B for me. I, I like it. I like it. Uh, Tommy, so player of the year. Yeah, so as much as I shitted on him and he had a dry spot, I mean, you kind of have to give it to Sun. Uh, you know, banging in a lot of goals, great partnership with Harry Kane. Uh, as of end of this season, yesterday, they are officially the most effective uh, goal-scoring duo. So, yeah, got to give it to him. And then most improved? Uh, I'm going to take a little bit out of both uh, Cy and Joe. I do believe Matt Doherty did improve. Um but sorry, I'm looking at the roster right now. Um, I think Emerson Royal really picked it up in the past month and a half as well. I know he's only been here for a season, but he's looked kind of lost at times. But I think he's I'm not saying he's locked down, but he's looked good. And then Eric Dyer, like I I was shitting on him earlier in the season, but I was telling Lucas, I'm like, he can be a very solid player if he's properly coached. He's getting who's properly- that? Eric Who's who that again? Say his name <laughs> one more time. Uh, some guy that loves me. Has <laughs> a frame. There's a frame. There's a frame photo of Dyer that I put up in our sitting room. <laughs> yeah, uh, whatever. Even so, well, you're lucky I didn't take it down. But like, I mean, if you know how good Eric Dyer can be if he's properly coached. There's no doubt about it. So, um, you know, you got to hand it to him. So he's. I mean, yeah, Romero's been the flashier one. Ben Davis, he's the solid, dependable one. But, like, Eric – or or he's – actually, Ben Davis is actually going to be my unsung hero, which I can elaborate more on a minute. But, like, Eric Dyer, he's been that mainstay. He's been the, the most consistent. So, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, so unsung hero. So, Ben Davis, let's hear about that. Yeah, Um. so, you know – uh. So I was talking about earlier, Lucas, like before I left for London, Lucas, like Lucas, like, why are you so such a big fan of Michael Dawson? And I'm like, 
the reasons why I'm a big fan of him is kind of similar to what the qualities I find in him with uh, Ben Davis. You know, hardworking, never gives up. You know he's not the best player, but he's dependable. He's there when you need him. Um, he doesn't get the praise that he deserves. Um, and I would say, whether it be new fans or old school fans, he's probably not getting it because Son, Kane, um, and whomever else, they're getting the praise before him. So he's the one, he's the one that's, in my opinion, like him and Dyer, they're the ones that are keeping the shit together, you know, and not making it fall apart. So, yeah, Ben Davis. You're getting your praise right now. Yeah, good, good shouts, uh, Lucas. You get to go last. Uh, uh, so let's see, hear your player of the year. Player of the year, Youngman's son, hundred um, percent. I think what's underrated that we don't talk about that much is the fact that Son carried us. It's kind of forgiven. Everyone's kind of back with Harry. We've kind of forgotten about last summer, and Harry Kane's back. He's one of our own. He's true blue us, and it's like okay, but. There was that time where the hairy nonsense was going on, and Sun didn't miss a beat. Sun carried us through that part. So that, to get the golden boot and not one of them be a penalty in itself is iconic. And on top of that, he carried us through a really difficult period where we were, again, like we were losing the face of our of our program. Every every bit of us was Harry Kane through and through, and we had that big shit go down and have Sun not miss a beat. So uh, he really picked us up when we needed it most. I, I think that deserves so much credit and says so much about who he is. And he resigned. We're so lucky to have him. Well, well yeah, Harry- Exactly. And he resigned while that whole thing was going on. Yeah. He said, I want to be part of this project. I'm in. Count me in. Yeah. Where do I sign? No, uh, uh, good shout there. Uh, most improved. Um... This one's the toughest. I, I got to say probably Ben Davis. Um, although I, I, it's not rocket science. Ben Davis is a good player. And Conti looks like some kind of wizard for getting the best results out of Ben Davis. And when all he did was say, here, go play the position you're actually good at. The position you play with when you go to play with Wales. Like Pochettino had him in a bunch of different roles, which weren't really his – Forte, Conti was like, let's just put you at your best position and you'll be great. And Ben Davis has been absolutely stellar, absolutely dependable. Every game um, doesn't have that dumb mistake in him. Got uh, Gets the yellow card 15 minutes against Arsenal and then plays the rest of the game just classy. It's He's a really smart player and we're really lucky to have him as well. No, definitely. Um, for me, Son is my player of the year. Uh, most improved is Doherty. Uh, I mean, the, the guy went from being total trash even at the start of the season to uh, by the end of the season being our preferred wingback who could take you on either side. Um, w- what an improvement. Like, uh, um, I, and I'm actually excited for him probably to be back. Um, I mean, I could see him going with in maybe Emerson Royal staying just because he's younger, but... Um, but Doherty's definitely a wing back that could be a floater. Like even if we buy two wing backs, like it would be good to have a guy like Doherty on the bench that could uh, pick up some pieces now and then. Um, unsung hero for me was Ben Davis for sure. Um, I like it, 
we were we've been so down on him in past years just like everybody every coach plays him at some point and he he does a job and um and we we've been down and this is the first year that I feel like we're not down on him um that we're actually happy that he's been playing his position and it's the right position for him but like I think he's been such an unsung hero for so long that we, that we forget the way we've treated him. So, so for me, he's my hung and sung hero. Uh, Lucas? Uh, yeah, real quick. I just didn't get to give my unsung hero. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Mine nice was, you. Yeah, you just, it was, it's, it's just Lucas Mora again. Um, kind of piggyback on what you guys talked about. I think when I talked about Sun carrying us through a bad period, Lucas Mora was the same way. Under Nuno's system, it didn't seem like we had any real organization or we had no identity. There was nothing about us when we had the ball. There was really nothing that we were going to do that was going to create anything. And Lucas Mora was the only guy during that period that would pick up the ball in an in a bit of a like he could pick up the ball within a couple guys around him and say, "I'm either going to drive this ball into space, or I'm going to go get fouled outside the box, or I'm going to find the pass." Did it always connect? No, but he was the only one going with that full Duracell rabbit, like. He was just going every time with trying to create anything he could. So, you mean um, energizer? I, I, uh, it it goes both ways. It's the, both. Dur- the Duracell rabbit. <laughs> hey, it's a thing. It's it's what it is in Ireland. Like, look it up. It's a Duracell <laughs> rabbit. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's the um, it's but yeah, it, that's Lucas Mora through and through, and that speaks so much to his character. He just he carried us through a really bleak time where we had no options anywhere to try and score a goal. And that effort, I just think is something that always deserves a pat on the back. No, good, good job. And sorry, I stepped on you in the middle of your, (laughs) but um, we have two questions that we have that we should answer before we uh, go into um, our prediction results. As you know, we always make predictions at the end of each episode, and uh, Tommy keeps uh, stats for us to be able to do that. So we're going to wrap up the episode uh, with that data. Um, so stick with us for that. Um, but let's a- answer these two questions that we have first. And the first one um, comes from uh, Suge. Do you want me to do both together? Uh, yeah, you can do them both together. They're okay. similar enough. Okay, so Suge, our friend from Minneapolis, uh, do you think of how well we did to get back into the top four that Levy will allow Conte to do what he needs and wants to do this summer to make sure we can be competitive in the Champions League. Um, Big Bird said, how does Conte improve the squad over the summer in light of Spurs in the Champions League? And I'll kind of just say my piece for right now. So, Levy has to back Conte because we got the best free agent manager. He came here for a reason. I'm yeah, partially because of Paratici. But I'm like, if you're if you're getting a heavy hitter, you have to back him. You can't fuck around. Um and in terms of improving the squad, I mean we probably could use another center back. I mean, even though Dyer Conte and or Dyer Romero Davis have done well, but we gotta be locked down. Um Definitely need another midfielder, even though uh, Sar is coming in. Skip should be healthy coming into the season. Um, and we definitely need a backup striker. Uh, I should mention again, um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic 
is going to be a free agent, so let's get him. Can somebody mute him, please? Just mute him straight away. <laughs> we got. I'm not saying we have to go for broke, but we should. We, we got to put more effort in this year to buy some players. Is what I'm trying to say. In, which also includes Laton. I, I think by having Conte, we have to. Like he's not going to stick around if we don't, and I think I think the the powers that be know that Levy knows that they, we, we're going to spend. We just have to spend differently this year. Is I think the real trick. Um, I think Sai, you were up. Yeah, I mean, I've, it's a lot of time. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I think I think uh, I think we have been spending in years past. I I, I don't want to like slam Levy and be like we haven't spent money. We've we've spent some money poorly. I mean, a hundred million dollars on Lasso and and Don Blaze is no chump change. It's that that's a lot of money. Um, but now we have Partici in there and we have Conte. I think we'll spend correctly. We've proven that in the January window. Um, I just don't – I'm going to elaborate on some of the uh, positions, but the striker thing, I, and you're going to get pissed when I say this, but I don't see us buying a striker. I just don't see it happening. We have a kid on the bench who's supposed to be pretty darn good, and Parrott's overperforming now. I got a, I got a feeling that they're just going to be like, hey, come on, Parrott, you're back on the squad. Here's our – Here's our addition to the striker position. We're going to spend our money on the wings, and we're going to spend our money on the center back. Harry, have another season up front. Go ahead, Tommy, if you want to comment on that. No, so, I mean, I what you're saying, I would not be surprised if that happened, but let's be fair. Harry Kane's about, going to turn 30 very soon. He's not going to be able to play every game. Like, he played 50 games this season, which is admirable, but I'm like, Conte's got to be smart. He's got to sit with Harry Kane. It's like, Captain England, you're playing every game, playing pretty much every game for us because we have no other striker. It's like, you got to look after your body. If you keep doing this, you're not, you're only going to be able to play at a high level for another four years. Yeah, people might say, oh, he's an Iron Man, blah, blah. But I'm like, you know what? The mind and the body, they don't travel at the same time. So eventually your body will fail you. So manage the body. Um, yeah, you're, you're dead right, Tommy. It, it, uh, Conte's bull, bullshitting too. Like he's been saying, Stevie Bur- Stevie B is a striker, blah blah. blah. Listen, he might be, but I, he needs another striker for sure. And I just don't know. At the end of the day, there's a there's only a certain amount of money that Levy and the company is going to spend. This is not an unlimited scenario just because we have Conte. It's just not going to happen. So we should all stop dreaming this magical world. We're going to be spending $200 million this summer and we're going to push and go for it because I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but there's just no effing way that's going to happen. Go ahead, Lucas. All right. First of all, uh, real quick, I'm just going to pull this up for you guys so you can all see. That right there is the Duracell website, duracell.co.uk, and there's the Duracell rabbit. So I was right. But anyway. Oh, good for you. <laughs> but anyway, I'm with you, Cy, 100%. I just, I think Levy, I think Levy will be, we're not going to spend the way we think we're going to spend this summer, like the way we want to spend this summer, but because um, Levy's never done that. But I think if there is a chance that it happens, it's going to be because this is Conti. This is now going to be the third. This is the best manager we've ever had at the club, to be honest. It's 
you could say Jose's up there as well, but like you have to back this guy and he's come in and taken you from ninth place to champions league. Like he said, he would with what we all thought were a group of slags. He's gotten these guys to play, give out this performance or this type, these types of performances. He's getting the best out of all these guys. You need to get, you need to stop thinking, well, you know, we don't have to really spend here and think, what happens if Conti gets a guy that he actually like? What what can he do if he could do this with this group of guys? What can he do with guys that he handpicks and the guys that he believes fit his system perfectly? So that's why I think we'll pick. I think our our priority will be signing wingbacks. I honestly think a, a big shout out to the guys that we had this year that gave in the performances they did, but they're not good enough. Matt Doherty's not good enough. Emerson Royal's not good enough. Ryan Sessegnon could be good enough but can't spend more than three games on the pitch before he gets injured. Regulon's not good enough. So we need to get a couple of wingbacks in that are Conti's guys. And I think that's where we'll start. And I think, I think the striker might be the backup striker might be, it might be something like Lukaku. I think that would be, I could actually see that happening. We know they have a relationship together. They you play for him at Inter. But it's really hard to get a striker in of any caliber that wants to come be second fiddle to Harry Kane. It's really difficult. So you either have to pay somebody an insane amount of money or you have to get a young up-and-coming kid that's okay learning from Harry Kane. But it's going to be – it's going to be – the backup striker one is going to be a difficult signing. Yeah, that's kind of the quadri I was thinking of too, Lucas, because I'm like – I mean, I'm not saying – uh, Dave Scarlett won't turn out well, but I'm like, he needs some seasoning, so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on loan. Um, making a two-division jump for Troy Parrott, I mean, we'll see how he goes in preseason, I guess, but I think the best op- option is kind of what we, I mean, I always say Zlatan, of course, but if we get somebody in the mold of uh, like Fernando Lorente, who's been there, done that, has the experience, I think that's the best way because, A, that person can take the load off of Harry Kane, maybe if he gets subbed or if we need an extra striker. B, uh, if we sign Conte, the intent is there that we signed him to win trophies. This person, if we get uh, a seasoned veteran, that person probably knows how to win, hopefully, kind of like Lorenzo did when he was at Juventus. So, I mean, that's my hope, at least. I think Conte wants a like a legitimate, solid striker. Like, uh, I mean, what Lu- Lucas is saying, like with a Lukaku. I mean, I think that would be the type of guy that he would go for. Somebody else that can play striker. If Harry Kane gets hurt, I mean, he hasn't didn't get hurt this year, but like how every other year he's had a period where he's been hurt. And, like, a, a Conte system really needs somebody who can play striker, e- even if yeah. we have our best player uh, on the We're just going to have a bitch fit if we sign Lukaku. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say, Rick, Rick will have a mental breakdown if we sign Lukaku. <laughs> I mean, I'll be there laughing, but, oh, man, I can just imagine if it actually happens. Or, or Raheem Sterling. I mean, like, if we got Raheem Sterling. I would, would love that. Yeah, I would love that too. Yeah, I think that would be a a great addition. I mean, more of a a winger, but um, but like somebody else who can score goals. Uh, Lucas, go ahead. Well, here's the big thing is, and this is what people always 
oh, I want to sign. We should sign this. We should get better depth. Getting depth is really hard. A person signs at a club for one of two reasons, because they're going to be playing or because they're going to get paid. That's the only reason. So, like, look at Danny Ings. We were linked with him. Like, oh, there's a potential guy for a backup striker. Danny Ings said, screw that. Why would I want to go play once every two months behind Harry Kane when I could just go play at Villa? I'll be starting every game. I'll be, like, the big man up front. Like, everyone's. But the reason why you would say, sure, I'll go sit behind Harry Kane is if you're going to be making 200 grand a week. So if you're going to get depth, you have to either invest in the depth has to come from young talent that are OK sitting there and learning and getting paid peanuts. Or they have to you have to ante up and you have to pay these guys a lot of money on their weekly wages. So that's one of the reasons why it's going to be difficult. And you see, like, why would somebody go just why would Grealish just like, sure, I'll go be a sub at Man City and make a bazillion dollars. It, it's like guys want to go. Guys are going to go to the clubs that can pay them or play them. And you have to have one or the other. So to bring in depth, you have to be able to pay them. And that's something that Levy's not really good at. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see where the depth part comes from. I think we'll see some big signings for – and that's where you need your guys like Lucas Mora that are like, look, I'm happy to sit here on the bench and get 20 minutes every once in a while and bust my ass to help change a game. It's 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 going to be really tricky – and I really hope Levy's able to see how getting like us in Champions League, us winning, is the best thing for his business. So I, I hope he realizes that that you can't let this Conti thing go to waste. Even though he's even if he's only here for a couple of years, we have to utilize that and we have to back him. It has to happen. Yeah, it's it, this is our best chance. It, it really is. Like. Uh, Jose, like, it was never going to be anything. Like, we had a chance at maybe a League Cup or something like that. Like, Conte, we have a chance at the, uh, like, the big competitions if we can, if we back him and and give him what he needs. Uh, Anthony, oh, oh, real quick, I was just going to say, remember last summer we were in Project Rebuild and look at where we are because of Conte. So that's why you got to back him. It's like, yeah. No, I, I, I get this really, we talked about it earlier, but I get this sneaking, sneaking suspicion that the whole summer is going to derive upon, do we sell Ndombele in the sell so Do we have that extra funds to actually push the squad over? I mean, I, I think you're going to back Conte. You might even give him $100 million. But if you, if you can get a bunch of money back for those two players, now we're talking maybe 150 170 and that becomes a big, big deal to push players forward and they actually pay players like a Lukaku. It's a great shout. I mean, that's the perfect backup striker for the Spurs right there. Um, I don't know if you'd come here, but uh, yeah, I just think, I think it all rests upon, do we sell those two players? Do we get the cash from it? And does Levy pony up? We'll see. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big question. And, we should we should briefly mention that there's a good chance that we are signing a, a backup uh, keeper uh, this week, at least if you believe the rumors. Um, Lucas? Well, I just wanted to back up what Sai said there. And one of the things, though, you'd mentioned how important it is to get rid of Ndombele and LaCelso, unload that. Levy might already have that stuff in the works. If We all love to take – we can cut the back off Levy every time. Every one of us loves to do it. But 
I think it is important to give him props. He's really good at being prepared. So I think he might already have some dealings with, he's probably got Paratici out, like, talking. They're probably nailing stuff out with them already to get that LaCelso deal over the line, have it done quickly. The one thing I will say that shows evidence for that is when we've sacked our manager. In the last couple of years, we've done it twice mid-season where we sacked our manager. And it's like when we sacked Potch, we had Jose Mourinho, the special one, in within 24 hours. So he had that planned like, out. Like five it's like hours. When, mm-hmm, when we sacked Nuno, it was bang, within the next 24 hours, here's Antonio Conte. So he had that shit worked out. He knew what he was doing. So I, I will give him props there, and I hope that he's he's thinking three steps ahead of us in terms of getting rid of some of these guys and finding new homes for them. Yeah, no, good shout there. Um, Ty, you want to jump in there? No, no, I'm, I'm good, but I, I think you're dead right, Lucas. I mean, he's he's proven he's three steps ahead of us. So let's just keep on that pace. Let's get it done this summer, and let's 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 push. This is the year we push to win this thing. Yeah. Well, I think we need to go shift the conversation to our predictions results. Uh, so as you know, uh, we we predict uh, what the scores outcome is going to be at, at the uh, um, after each uh, preview. Um, and we keep that a tally of points to determine, uh, who's been the best at predicting results over the season. Um, and we also, uh, make some predictions at the start of the season that we kind of throw out there and, uh, um, we look at those as well. Uh, so Tommy, uh, um, how did people do this year? I'm, I'm having a feeling I didn't do that well. Uh, you're kind of middle of the pack, I would say. I'm um, not gonna lie though. For yesterday's match against, uh, what's their name called? Norwich. You actually did predict the score correctly, and you actually got five points out of compared to everybody else. So, fair enough. I think that actually vaulted you to a, a good placement. But, um, so what I'll do is I'll just do what the uh. Overall scores, and then we'll do MVP, LVP, and then general predictions. So, um, we'll just start off with third place. So, Sam, who runs our social media, he was in third place. Um, John, second place, British John. And um, the fix is not in, I can assure you that, but I actually won. Uh, what's sure. I beat John by three points. Um, so, yeah. And I, I have proof of everything because I did keep a score or predictions for everything. So if you doubt me, you can t- anybody in the podcast can take a look. Um, but I broke it down also by competition. So John won, had the most points um, in the Premier League, uh, Conference League. I had the most um, FA Cup. Uh, British accent Joe, not British Joe on the podcast now, but Joe with the British accent. Um, he had the most in FA Cup, and in the League Cup, uh, Sam he got the most. Uh, let's do MVP LVP. So MVP LVP, there was it was actually a wide array of votes, whether it be certain players, the whole team. Um, for example, last week, Rick voted for An- uh, Antonio Conte. So, 
Uh, in terms of total MVP votes, the unofficial official winner uh, of the season would be Harry Kane. He had 30 votes. Um, second place was Hugo Lloris with 19. And in third place, it was Sun with 14. Um, okay, so let's go to LVP votes. So the person or the leading vote getter today actually had the most with 35. No one. But to, to have the actual other three, um, Matt Doherty, I mean, we know he started off slow and then ended well until he got injured, but he had the most LVP votes for with 16. Um, second place for the dishonorable LVP would be uh, Jafet Tenganga. And third place, kind of, uh, he definitely improved over the season, but he did not start strong, was Eric Dyer. Um, in terms of LVP wins... We have Harry Kane in first place with nine total wins out of all matches. Um, and then tied for second place, we had Hugo Lloris and Steven Bergvine. Um, in terms of LVP wins, so to speak, um, no one, again, did get 8.75. Um, and then it was a close, well, if you discount that, it was actually very close um, for first three. So the first per or first place would be Jeff Edson with 4.5 for LVP wins. Uh, Matt Doherty second place with 4.25 and then Tanyan Dombele with four total wins. Uh, let's go next to predictions. So for those who don't know, um, if they were on the preview episode, if you know, they did them there. If not, I put it in our group chat as uh what they or I just requested them so and since for example Sai he came on later in the episode or later in the season I didn't get his preseason predictions but um in terms of Spurs predictions Kevin let's see Kevin Lucas and uh, Kevin Lucas Austin and British Rick they both predicted correctly Spurs would get fourth um next would be top six it was never it was never in doubt yeah, it was clearly. never in doubt. Layup. Clearly. Um, top six, nobody got theirs all correct, correct, of course, but let's see. Myself, Nate, uh, British Accent Joe, Kevin, Lucas, Austin, Catherine, Sam, and British Rick. They both did predict uh, City would win. Um, Outlandish prediction, so it's something that's kind of out there, but within the realm of possibility. So I predicted Brentford will be above 13th and West Ham finish in the bottom three. Brentford actually finished 13th. Um, Kevin, his prediction wasn't correct, but I still wanted to bring this up because I, I just laughed at it when I was reviewing it today. Um, British Rick stops complaining that the media, the refs are out to get Spurs. It didn't happen, but it's still kind of funny. Um, so, okay, Catherine's prediction was... Newcastle will get a decent striker. I think that remains to be seen. But uh, Sun will have the most goals and assists in the Premier League. So she was right about the Premier League goals. Um, and lastly, Tall Rick, um, his prediction, Atlanta's prediction was, Leeds flirt with relegation but survive. How true was that? That's pretty um, good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, second season blues, I guess. 
Um, and then for next up is the bottom three. We got jo British accent Joe, Lucas, um, British Sam. They all predicted that Watford, Norwich, and Burnley get relegated. Next up, we have the uh, tournament. So FA Cup, British accent Joe and British Sam both predicted we were out of the fifth round. Correct. Um, League Cup, Kevin and Austin both predict, or Kevin Austin, Catherine, and Br British Rick predicted semifinals for League Cup. In Conference League, everybody thought we would win for the most part. Um, we were not even close. So these aren't scientific, of course, but these are always fun to do. Um, I'm probably going to change things up a little because, I mean, admittedly, Anthony does almost every episode. So he's getting a little screwed a little bit, but I'll try to make things a little more. Hey, I'm happy to be middle field. of the pack, uh, considering <laughs> I have to predict, like, uh, everybody who's not on the episode gets to predict right before kick, essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll try to make things a little fairer for everybody. Um, but I'll figure that out in the no. summer. But it's a it's fun to to hear how we did, and especially when we were thinking about those preseason predictions. I mean, we had Nuno as coach, and it was a completely different world that we were in. So uh, it's it's good to have that flashback experience. Okay. Um, well, we're going long, but this is going to be our last episode of the season. Um, we certainly will put out uh, a handful of episodes over the summer break, uh, but expect us to have uh, several weeks off if there's a lot of uh, transfer activity and uh, we feel the need to have an episode. We'll certainly do that. And uh, and I know, Tommy, you have some uh, some ideas for some um, for some cool off-season episodes, maybe conversations or debates. Um but we have some ideas in mind. We'll have some episodes, but expect us to have some extended breaks over this uh, time period. So uh, uh, stay tuned, and we will be back. Uh, um, pay attention to our Twitter and our Facebook, and and we'll definitely let you know when we're going to come back and have some episodes coming out. Um, but expect us to take an extended break. Uh, any uh, final thoughts? Um, on anything from the the whole episode that you guys want to uh, discuss before we wrap up, Lucas. Uh, yeah, I think um, I just want to touch. I know we just mentioned there the conference league predictions. I think that's one of my underrated favorite parts of this crazy roller coaster of a season was how we exited the conference league because I don't. Every one of us did not want to go through to the next round of the conference league. Every one of us wanted to just be done and rid of it, but we also didn't want to be the team that got knocked out. Like everyone would have taken the piss out of us if we didn't get to advance at least to the knockout stage. So the fact that it was coveted out was the perfect result where we can just say, oh, well, we, we didn't go through because of COVID, but we also got what we wanted, which was not being in it. So it was, it was one of those weird, perfect storm kind of, uh, scenarios where like we got to do we got to get the hell out of that stupid ass tournament but we didn't have to suffer the indignity of getting knocked out so it was it was one of my low-key favorite highlights of what was just an absolutely wild season yeah no good shouts there 
Um, let's give everybody at least a couple, uh, uh, a few seconds to, to, to give their wrap. So, uh, let's go with, uh, uh, Tommy next. Yeah. Like I said before, I was kind of rocking back and forth when all hope was lost. Spurs kind of found a way to redeem themselves. So, like I said, <clears throat> bring on the transfer window. I know it's not going to be as smooth because of Daniel Levy, but, um, Let's get some things done, offload at Domboy and LaCelso, bring in some fresh blood, get them integrated very quickly, and I'm excited for mid-August. Good show. Uh, let's go to Joe next. Yeah, I mean, exciting season. Um, three months ago, I probably would be the one that said, there's no way we're getting fourth. Um very excited to finish above Arsenal again. It's what seven years in a row now, something like that. Um, it, I don't, uh, I don't see us signing a bunch of people this summer. Um, maybe a semi-decent striker and probably a couple wingers, but uh, I, I honestly, I, I don't think. In my years of supporting Spurs, you know, we're coming off of a high, and I think Levy's going to kind of hold back this summer and try and pull off some miracle in the winter when we're fighting for sixth place. Um, but that's just me. I hope I'm wrong. I, I'd love to be proved wrong. I'd love to see some massive uh, marquee signings over the summer and uh, you know keep this momentum going up in the next season. I, I hope you're wrong, <laughs> um, but yeah, but I understand. Me too. Me too. Like when you followed long enough, it it feels like uh, things could be that bleak. But I think we have to hope that the decision to buy Conte shows a willingness to 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 give the man what he wants. Um, uh, Sai, I think you're you get to wrap us up. Yeah, I mean, I think this season was a whirlwind of ups and downs and just a lot of fun. I mean, almost as good as 18. I know we didn't go to the Champions League final or anything like that, but just, just the ups and downs of this ebb and flow of this season was, was a joy to watch. Um, heartaches and uh, and celebration. And it's really good to be able to hang out with friends in Chicago and at the Atlantic and be able to do these podcasts and discuss it with each other. I think that's the most important thing um, that we can just like sit here and just jab at each other and talk about our opinions over this crazy crazy club and uh and party our asses off at that awesome bar so just thanks for running this anthony and uh and i'm looking forward for uh see what's going on this summer and uh let's go uh come on you spurs and that's a i think a great way to wrap oh lucas jump in real fast yep i think i could not agree more with what i said i just wanted to wrap on this um my last thoughts here i just want to say i'm so proud of our guys um, our players, I mean, what this, this season was, how crazy everything was, the amount of times we were down and out, we were ninth place, we were getting knocked out by Middlesbrough, we had that loss to Burnley where it looked like Conti might not even be here. It's like these players never, ever wavered, and they kept giving them all every 90 minutes, and it always didn't, it didn't always go our way, but the fact that we were there on the last day of the season and had our destiny in our hands, and then we showed up like that, I just I can't say enough about how proud I am of our guys. So 
big shout to them. Um, we might see some new faces next year. We might have some of these guys move on. And this might have been the last game that we saw a couple of guys for Tottenham. But um, I, I couldn't be more grateful for the effort that those guys put in. And I'm really, really proud to wear our shirt. So big ups to those guys. Great way to wrap it up. So, uh, so thank you so much to Joe, Tommy, Cy, and Lucas for being on today. Great episode. Uh, but that about wraps us up. Uh, that about wraps it up. Uh, so, so thanks to Tommy for editing and sound tonight. Charlie for the music. Sam for social media. Lucas, or we, do, we didn't do a halftime segment, but uh, Lucas anyway for doing the locks all year. Uh, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Uh, we're going to be recording back there soon uh, in the back room. We're going to be trying to do a lot more in person next season. Uh, find, um, find us now on both Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4starspurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs. See you soon. <laughs>